Are you there, Keith? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I am. I oh, can very definitely nice. hear you. Yep. That's good. Yep. Okay, here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Here is the Problem. Um, it's been a while since I've done an episode of the show. The show will be returning fully on its regular airtime beginning Friday. Um, usually we have Friday and um, uh, well, actually it's Mondays, but I'm moving it to Friday. Friday and Sunday. So it's um, it's going to be a very interesting time. It's going to be a very interesting show to do. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of topics uh, throughout the week. There's a lot to cover, a lot I need to catch up on, a lot to discuss. And, well, there you have it. So there, uh, there, there we go. All right. Um, tonight we are going to be interviewing a very special person. He is um, running for Michigan Michigan governor on the Natural Law Party ticket. Uh, he's also a Libertarian Party member, but he's running as a natural law um, candidate on their platform, um, which is basically nothing. Um, they'll take you no matter what. And uh, he'll discuss that as well, how he got into that. Um, but uh, for now, let's get right into it. Please welcome our very good friend, Keith Butkovich. Hey, Keith. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. No problem. Well, um, thank you for, for doing the show, man. I'm, I'm glad that you... Uh, that you agree to do this and, you know, doing a two hour show, this is fantastic. And, and, um, I'm sorry I wasn't able to promote that show that super much, but I think, um, more and more people will listen to it while we're on the air, hopefully, but surely. And on top of that, We'll have people come on and listen to the show on the air, and if not, they've got the podcast. So I, I, I usually get more downloads at the podcast than I do have live participants or live listeners, So, but that's fine. So, um, all right, so let's get into it. Um, well... You're running for governor as um, as a natural law party candidate, and this is quite an interesting race for you. Um, why are you running? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I've been interested in politics really since high school. Uh, never really got active till about ten years ago, and then really about maybe six, eight years ago, 
I'm running for governor of Michigan. I've lived in the state my whole life. I'm 34 years old, so I'm, I'm the youngest candidate on the ballot. Um, just looking at all the problems in our state and the people that had decided to run back in far back as December is when I filed. I just wasn't happy with any of them. Nothing really stood out. So to me, uh, if you don't like the candidates, my solution is to run myself. And uh, I did. I filed uh, back in December. Um, tried to get under uh, for the Natural Law Party, and they did nominate me at their convention, which was at the very beginning of August. And so I will be on the ballot in uh, in November, in just over a week from now. I, I just think that I, I offer a different perspective for the state of Michigan uh, that uh, the other candidates aren't really touching upon. So I, it's, that's why I decided to throw my hat in the ring, so to speak. So what's really exciting about this is you are running a libertarian campaign, just not a capital L libertarian campaign, but you are running a libertarian campaign under um, the NL um, ticket. And uh, what, what I find particularly interesting is you're very principled, you have a lot of incredible ideas as a libertarian candidate. And unlike, um, you know, like the current crop of candidates that are on the gubernatorial side, um, you know, it's, it's very, very frustrating. And, and, uh, not to mention uh, cringing, um, for lack of a better word. So, what's um, what is your um, um, you know, what is your platform, and um, what are some of your big issues that you plan to focus on? Well. Um there's there's a lot of issues in the, in the state of Michigan. Uh, one thing I'd like to do first off, I think is most important right now, is the auto insurance. It's probably the highest in the country. If it isn't, it's certainly right up there. Um, it, it's it's just ridiculous. And then depending on where you right. live, say say in the city of Detroit, it's it's even worse. Where some people their car payments, some of their mortgages are actually more than their insurance, which I, I just can't fathom that. Um, so what I would like to do is, uh, again, part of it depends on the legislature. That's a whole other issue. Um, but what I would push for is uh, a couple of things. First of all, I, I would want to get rid of no fault, um, make Michigan at fault. That would save money there. Um, I want to remove some of the regulations so you're not forced to buy these, these plans that you don't necessarily need. So that'll save money. And uh, something else that no candidate is talking about, um, I would move to make car insurance optional. Um, now, if you don't have car insurance, that's a risk you're willing to take because if you get into an accident and it's your fault and, you know, you're found through court system that it's your fault, then you would have to pay the cost. But, again, in a, in a free society, you know, that's a choice you have to make. I don't think the government should force you to buy something. So it's a freedom of association type thing. I'm, I'm a big freedom guy, uh, personal responsibility and personal liberty. 
So, and I think that would bring rates down because right the right now the insurance companies have a guaranteed amount of customers, you know, however many millions of drivers there are in the state of Michigan. If they know that their their customers aren't guaranteed uh, because you don't you don't have to buy insurance if you don't want to, I think the rates would come down because these companies realize, oh, we need customers. You know, if we don't have customers, we don't have money. So I believe the rates would come down that way because I. I am not a fan of, of the insurance companies right now. I don't like the fact that uh, the rates differ. Like I said, in Detroit, it's ridiculous. I don't like the fact that your credit score has something to do with your premiums. I think that's ridiculous. Um, so really, car insurance. I totally issue, I agree with you. I I totally agree with you on that. I think it's ab- it's asinine that the. Companies are using credit scores to determine your premiums, and uh, their unholy alliance with the state is um, completely the reason why that is happening to a fault. And uh, that needs to be put... um, that needs to um, um, to actually end right there. Um, it, it needs to be put to a stop completely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. And, and the problem is, you know, these insurance companies, they lobby and then they send money to both party candidates. It's it's not one party. It's It's both the major parties, you know, to some candidate or another. And I think that that's a big problem the politicians aren't going to do anything about it because they want that money. Now, me, I, I haven't taken any insurance money. I haven't, frankly, haven't taken any donations. It's been all me. Uh, I haven't asked people for money because that's not the type of person I am. And then, you know, one of the problems is with, with asking for a lot of money is sometimes you feel like you're beholden to your donors. Uh, this way, I think I, I completely keep my principles of freedom and liberty, both uh, personal and economic. Right. Um, you know, it's it's interesting you bring up auto insurance because um, the way the government and the auto insurance companies have set this up is it reminds me a lot like the Obama um, care mandates. You know, you're forced to buy this insurance, particularly if you can't afford it, but even if you could which a lot of people can't because the insurance companies jack up the prices. But even if you could, you're not getting the quality service that you would get in a free market if you need auto insurance. I mean, it is a good idea to have auto insurance, but the way it's set up, the service is just horrible. It's just horrendous. Right. right. I, I completely agree on all of that. Um, that it's, you know, and then when you deal, it's not so much, I think, the local agents, but it's the people that actually work in the the offices that do the claims or try to process the claims. It's just, it's just such a hassle. And I think that if people do stop, uh, preferably the responsible drivers, uh, do stop uh, carrying auto insurance. I think that'll send a message too. But again, you know, I I don't go advocating to completely 
implement. But again, that's an option you have to take. But possibly not having right. it might send a message to the insurance companies that, hey, we're sick and tired of this. Right. Um, you know, it's um, one of the things that really ticks me off is like companies like uh, Geico, Progressive, Allstate, uh, to name a few, they really do jack up their rates here in Michigan, and they get away with it. And there's not much of a legal recourse to put a stop to it. And, um, and um, I, I think... You know, one of the things that that some people could do if it were allowed is to have, say, some kind of, um, 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 say, tort reform or some lawsuit that would just, you know, tell the companies, hey, you're, you're ripping us off. You're stealing money from us, therefore you should be liable for, um, you know, for um, um, punishing us because we're not the irresponsible drivers. I mean, I mean, there are plenty of bad drivers here in Michigan, but um, but that's that that but I, and I know because I've run into lots of them. Um, what do you think of that? Well, uh, first of all, yes, uh, there are a lot of bad drivers in Michigan. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, uh, some kind of action against against the insurance companies because they essentially there's I know there's more than one company, but they essentially have a monopoly. There's not small companies that can compete because the government, they give them these big companies, all these big uh, incentives and all these special rules. And I think that's ridiculous too. I would love to see some kind of lawsuit for the people uh, against the insurance companies. Right. Um, and uh, I know something else a lot of people do, and I don't know anyone personally, but you know they're out there because of Michigan's high rate they'll have a dummy address in another state, say in Ohio or Indiana, you know, bordering state to get much lower rates. I mean, that, that right there tells you how bad our rates are if people are going to that, some people are going to that extreme. Well, I think one uh, free market reform that could um, be used once the repeal of no-fault insurance uh, um, is carried out there should be, um, you know, Michigan drivers, just like health insurance, auto insurance should be portable. You should be able to go to other states to find the cheapest um, in, in, in insurance quote and not stuck buying the, uh, buying the insurance quote here in Michigan. I mean, if a company yeah, wants to give you... Yeah, if a company wants to give you a cheaper rate here, fine. But if, say, a company in, say, Tennessee wants to give you a cheaper rate, why should the Michigan driver be denied access 
to that particular quote to their service because we, um, you know, the companies here um, want to make a few extra bucks here and there. Right. Yeah. You should. You should completely be allowed to go across state lines. And if there's a way to do it, even say uh, another country. I mean, not not any country, but let's say our friends in Ontario, for example, if they for some reason had something that covered everything, and at a lower rate, we should be able to do that too. Absolutely, competition right. is, is a good thing, and that'll that'll also keep the rates down. Right. Um, you know, uh, there's also another thing that uh, that that makes me wonder about this. Um, you know, um, uh, this whole situation involving um uh you know um for example um the other issues like um say spending and regulations and taxes snyder hasn't done much to revitalize michigan's economy no i mean no, you know and that is very, very depressing. What's your plan and your goals for that? Well, again, it, it depends on the state, but one of the first things I'd like to do is uh, eliminate the income tax. That'd be the first thing. I think that really holds people down, and it, and it hurts uh, success, I think. You know, if you have an income tax um, just, just for working, you got to pay this. I, I think that's, that's insane. Um, I would like to, like I said, get, uh, loosen regulations on business too. I'd like to eliminate a lot of, of the regulations, make it easier for business. Again, you know, we still have fraud protection, stuff like that. Um, and then looking at some other taxes, sales and, and property taxes, but I think the income tax would come first. Uh, that would have to be eliminated, which I know, unfortunately, is difficult. Again, a lot of this is based on the state legislature and some with the state constitution, but it just, the government just spends way too much money and it, it doesn't help. I think it's actually hurting in most places and, and it's, it's hurting the people too because they have to send all this money to Lansing and then other agencies too. And I just feel that you know how to spend your money better than the government does. That, that's my personal philosophy. Wow. That's, that's great. That's fantastic. I mean, that is something to look forward to because, I mean, look at Gretchen Whitmer. You know, of course, everybody knows she's going to, I mean, let's, let's call it for what it is. She's going to be, you know, everybody knows that she's going to be elected to the governorship. But, um, but her plans are just crazy. She just wants to use subsidies and tax monies to fix the roads, and the roads are just terrible here in Michigan. Um, what would you do to fix the roads, for instance? Okay, yeah, I was actually just at a candidate forum a couple hours ago in Farmington Hills, and this, this, we were asked one question, and this was it. So I'm glad you asked that. Um, yeah, Michigan's roads are probably the worst. I've driven in all 50 states and four 
Canadian provinces and D.C. and Canadian territories. So I, I've driven on a lot of roads in different areas. Michigan's are probably overall the worst. If not, they're certainly in the running. My thing was, well, part of it is federal. Uh, you know, there's some of the roads that get federal, like the interstate highways specifically, and there's some other, you know, projects. But the main thing I would like to do is to start looking into privatization of these roads, but at the same time reducing here, here. tax burden. Right, reducing your tax burden so you're not paying twice, because that's the issue in a lot of these other states that have toll roads. You already pay taxes into the road system, say in Ohio or Indiana, you know, our friends of the South. Uh, you're paying into these systems, but then you're also paying a toll to use the Ohio and Indiana toll roads. Um, so I would remove the tax burden so you're not paying twice. And then the companies, or you know, whether it's people, whether it's companies, whether it's some, I think, nonprofit stuff, uh, would be able to you know, set whatever the rate is for their maintenance. And I think they would invest in, in better pavement, better quality roads. And I think some of our businesses would help out too. Um, you know, one of the pizza companies is, has a commercial out there that's looking, uh, that's looking at fixing potholes in certain parts of the country. And I think like transportation companies to make sure the roads are good, I, I right. bet that they'd be willing to help out a little bit. It's it just the and current even we have includes- now. Yeah, that even includes sinkholes too, because we got problems oh, yes. with sinkholes. Yes, but I, I think that that would, uh, you know, just the current system is not working uh, the way that the government does think it's not working, and we we need to look at other solutions. And I think privatization is the way to go. And I do believe, like some, I could see some nonprofits, like I said, picking up some small portions of the road too, and they may either do it, you know, how we're going to pay for this. Um, it's not, may not necessarily be a toll booth at every station with the way with technology now. It could be sensors in the road where you have the easy pass. It could, the, yeah. some people could go on, a, on the honor system if they want. I mean, there's a lot of different ways depending on who owns and controls the road. But I think overall it, it would actually be cost effective. It's just, you know, what, what, a lot of people hear the term toll, toll roads, let's say that, or private roads. I mean, you know, the first thing is that they, uh, you know, they say, oh, it's another road. I hate toll roads. You know, Michigan doesn't have any except for, you know, a couple of the bridges, you know, the Mackinac Bridge and then the bridge is going to over to Ontario but, uh, and a couple others. But like I said, that's why I'd look at also removing the tax burden part. So then you're only going to pay for the roads you use. So the people who drive a lot are going to pay a little bit more because they use the roads more. And somebody who's saying just going to the store and back, it, it will actually benefit them because they would actually end up paying less their taxes would be lower. What about, for instance, uh, the gas taxes here in the state? Um, they should be cut dramatically. That right, or... that, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Because what that does, because you know, I've been in a lot of states. Some of them are higher than Michigan. Um, Michigan isn't the highest, which is good. Some places actually add local gas tax on top of that. I can tell you Cook County, Illinois, where Chicago is, has, you know, there's a federal tax, which unfortunately I don't see going away. That's unfortunately out of my role as governor. There's a state tax, and then places like Cook County, Illinois also have a county tax. So when you go to Chicago, in Cook County part, you're going to be paying, say, 30 cents more than if you go over the border into DuPage County or into the uh, Lake County, uh, Indiana. So some jurisdictions do that, and the rates go up, and, and that doesn't help people because it actually 
uh, encourages, it actually hurts business because it's less fuel consumption. Now, at the same time, I don't want to be wasteful on fuel either. You know, I believe that energy efficiency right. is good, but that should be based on you. I don't think the government should be involved. I think it should just be just common sense and, and you know, having citizens that, you know, we don't want to be wasteful people. But yeah, I do think, yeah, the, the gas tax, I think, is too high, and lowering that would be beneficial. But... Um, I think the first thing we, we like I said the first thing I'd do with income with the taxes would be the income tax and like I said the gas tax would be looked at uh, the property tax the sales tax so many different other fees and different uh, government all agencies. these other taxes that really need to be taken a good look and see which ones we can cut the um, which ones um, you know which services can be streamlined and which uh, taxes can be repealed um, right. you know to get, and uh, and and that would be a good start absolutely um, here's another um, situation here um, you know there's the um, uh, um, the, the proposal um, on Michigan's ballot for um, gerrymandering just to get rid uh, of gerrymandering. Yeah, the infamous proposal too, which they're pushing everybody to vote for it. And I have to tell you, I looked into the language. I looked into um, the nuts and bolts of everything that's stated in this proposal. It's horrendous. And, right. um, you know, I remember when we were at the state convention, I made the mistake of, you know, signing up for this thing you know, um, you know, saying the petition for it, but I didn't realize that there was going to be an unaccountable commission that was going to be um, the be-all and end-all for this this thing, this monstrous um, um, program that they're pushing for, and. I just think it's terrible. We don't. Um, I, I'm all for getting rid of gerrymandering, but proposal two is just awful. Um, right. It, what What can we do to um, eliminate gerrymandering and prevent this thing from coming to pass? I, I'm hoping the voters will say no. Right. Um, right now, the polls I've seen looks like it has it passing. Um, of course, we all know that can change. Um, a friend of mine said, generally in polls, a proposal needs 60% in a poll to pass because, you know, you'll still have the undecideds and stuff. Um, one, uh, could you hold a second, Todd, please? Yeah. Yeah.
I'm sorry about that. Um, no, uh, you're fine. But, right. I, I know you don't like gaps in the program. Uh, uh, but what I was saying is um, the, you know, it's, it, it, in theory, the proposal, you know, when you first hear it, it sounds good because I don't right. like gerrymandering either. I think that's that's a mess. I mean, just look at how our districts are shaped and how they how they are to certain parties. Um, but like you said, the, the problem with proposal two is well, there's a lot of problems. Um, there's the cost involved. It could be up to four point six million dollars. Uh, these commissioners essentially to draw maps, which I think computers can do, all you need is one person to program the computer, is uh, there, there could be paid up to about $40,000 is, is the estimated per year, and this could be a two-year process is uh, what they're predicting. Um, then there's the whole commission, you know, it's four Democrats, uh, four, in, uh, four Republicans, and then allegedly five independents. Um, the problem is with that is you could be you could have someone who's certainly aligned to one party or the other, but is but they're just not technically a member. And the Secretary of State's gonna be the one, uh, which is a partisan position in Michigan, is going to be the one picking these independents. They say, you know, random, but uh, you know, I'm not convinced of that, regardless of, of who gets in uh, Secretary of State. And I think that they would pick those five to favor whatever party's in power. So you're either going to have nine Republicans and four Democrats, or you're going to have uh, nine Democrats and, and four Republicans. You know, you're, you're not going to get independents. You're not going to get third parties. or It's very unlikely. So I just think it's just going to be gerrymandering based on the Secretary of State having control of it and these unelected uh, commissioners instead of legislatures, which, like I said, neither system is good, but this isn't the answer. I had a proposal which uh, does need some tweaking. Uh, my proposal would have been to have, uh, first of all, they be they wouldn't be paid. It'd be completely volunteer. Um, you would have two members of every party on the ballot. There's in Michigan, has seven parties on the ballot. Um, so you'd have two members of every party, plus two that are not affiliated with any of them, which this the, uh, which this board of 14 would vote on uh, to, to those two people. The other ones would be um, chosen by the party. So then each party would have a representative. So you wouldn't have any kind of favoritism. Each party would be outnumbered by everyone else. And then they'd have to actually. It would be a volunteer because I think with the way the meeting are with technology and meetings and, and so forth. Um, this online, like I said, with the computer programs, all you got to do is have some kind of internet connection. And, um, you know, the internet now, There's, I know there's some areas where it's not perfect, but the way the work now would be a lot cheaper than having to actually go in person and get pens and draw maps and, you know, the travel costs. You'd probably only have to do it like once to actually finalize it. So that's why I said the volunteer thing. But I think that would right. be a better proposal. There's probably some other good ones out there too, whether yeah. it's just pure pure proportional representation or some other format. But this proposal is proposal two is not a good proposal. Right. Um, you know, um, I I think that our entire election system needs to be reformed completely. Um, Instead of this one man one vote system, uh, 
You know, there are, uh, there are different options that we could pursue. There's, uh, there's um, uh, let's see here, ration voting. Uh, there's proportional representation. Um, w- which one do you favor the most, and which one will probably be the most effective and getting candidates, including third-party candidates, elected as opposed to the current system, which pretty much does a crummy job of keeping candidates out. Um, well, I, name- I agree on, on that. The, the current system is certainly hurts um, third parties' um, independence. I, you know, I haven't chosen a specific system. You know, I've, I've looked at several of them. They all have pluses and minuses. You know, the rank choice or instant runoff is one that seems to be popular, where you pretty much rank the choices based on, you know, how you feel about them. Say there's, you know, for governor, six people on the ballot for governor, you'd rank them one through six. And I don't know how that would work with write-ins. That'd have to be physics. I know there's some writing candidates. You'd have to figure that out, too. There's approval voting where you just vote on who you like. You know, you could pick, say, three people for governor that you like, and all those votes are counted. There's one where, and I can't think of the name exactly, where let's say you get 10 points and you have to, you can allot them to all the candidates. You can give 10 to one person, or you can split it five and five with two people, or you know, any kind of combination of 10. Uh, that might have a problem with the one man one vote thing that we currently have. You you would need some possibly some changes in the constitution of the U.S. Um, but there, there's a lot of other systems, and I think they need to be looked at. But I haven't picked uh, picked one for sure. But I but all like I said, all of them have pluses and minuses, um, and do need to be explored by whoever is elected governor and whoever's in the legislature, and really at the federal level too. This needs to be looked at. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on our education system here in this state? We got some really big problems, particularly with a lot of um, problems in the schools, particularly with the shootings that we've seen. Um, it's mainly out west and some parts in the southeast, like, for example, Parkland, Florida. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of gun-free zones here in the state, and we're lucky that we haven't had any serious school shootings as of late. Um, what do we do about our education system? Well, part of the problem, unfortunately, is federal, which, again, is a little bit over my head. I think, you know, as, as governor, you know, federal is a whole different thing. I think the Department of Education is a big problem in all their their policies. Um, I, I would, if I could, I'd abolish the federal Department of Education. But unfortunately, like I said, as governor, I can't do that. I just feel that people in, in D.C. have no idea what Michigan is like. You know, they, they some of them probably have never even been to Michigan. I know our current one actually is from Michigan. That's a whole other issue, though. Um, as far as states, uh, the state level as a whole, uh, 
I, a lot of people just say, let's just give it more funding. The problem is if you just throw money at a problem and have no set allocation way to solve a problem, you just make the problem worse. It's like that with anything. You can't just throw money at a problem. You, you need a sound plan. And what I'd like to do is I think the State Board of Education, I think, is too bloated with too much bureaucracy. I'd like to see uh, it more power return to the local districts. Um, whether it's countywide or the intermediates or however your local, you know, your local school district, um, city, or whatever it is, depending on where you live, I'd like to see more power to the parents too, and and the people, you know, more power to the people to have parents, I say, have more choice. Um, I'm not against private schools, but I I don't like the that I don't think they should be getting uh, taxpayer money. That's the thing with the problem with charter schools too. You got the whole tax issue. Um, Exactly. But I think we we really need to look at reforming our education. And and yes, and possibly, like I said, promoting, say, whether it's homeschooling, whether it's some kind of of education. I think the parents, the local board, especially the parents, know a lot better about education than a state board and certainly a federal board. Um, But it's, like I said, just throwing money at the problem. That's not the issue. You know, I mean, that that's not a solution to just just put money. Like I know, a lot of these school boards too. They ask for for millages constantly. Uh, my local one currently is, and it just seems that they keep asking for more money and more money and more money, saying it's for the kids, it's for the kids. But a lot of probably, right. it's not all going to the kids. We all know that it's going to to whether it's athletics, which I'm not against sports, but you know, some of the money that's being spent on some of these athletics are just insane. Um, whether it's going to administrators, whether it's going to this or that, but but things that don't have to do with education. Or whether and, it's uh, going to the, or whether or not it's going to the unions, which are part of the problem anyway. Right. Well, I mean, the, the thing with, with that is um, there are some good parts about unions. I mean, they're not all horrible, but one of the problems I have is that it seems hard for for to get rid of bad teachers. Um, a friend of mine worked for the public school system. He he no longer does, and they had teachers that were there for say 35, 40 years. And some of them were good, you know, they tried, but you know, but they had others that essentially went in had for a paycheck, did very little, and you know got a, you know because of the pay scales that they've had over the years, they've had a lot of money. And teachers like that should are part of the problem you know they should retire and they should go but the union the way they are most of the time unless you do something egregious that they'll protect you and i get they're supposed to protect their workers but i mean there has to be a point where okay you're not performing and i know you mentioned that the violence issue too um obviously i don't like shootings that that's horrible it's you know infringing on people's rights and we don't need to do that but when you mention gun-free zones, I, I think that's part of the problem because if somebody wants to come in, somebody who wants to come in with a gun is going to do it regardless whether it's a gun-free zone or not. That, that doesn't mean anything to them. Um, it was brought up a controversial plan about giving teachers guns, and I think if a teacher wants to bring a gun to school, they should be allowed to, but I wouldn't force them to because some teachers don't like guns for whatever reason, whether they, they're afraid of guns or they don't feel confident or they just don't want to. So I wouldn't hand every right. teacher a gun, but if they want to bring one for protection or whatever, and because it's their right, I think they should uh, be allowed to. 
But, you know, I, I also don't, I don't want it to get to the point where we have security guards and metal detectors everywhere like certain schools have because then it doesn't feel like school. It feels like prison, and nobody likes prison. You know, you want to go to school, hopefully to learn and not, you know, a lot of kids don't like school. You feel like a prison at seems work for them. Oh, you know, there's a lot of ways we have to look at this, but it's just, you know, it's, it just seems as there's so many more problems with schools, shootings, and, and, and violence than there was even when I was growing up. And I remember stuff like the bomb threats and, and Columbine and all that. I was eighth, ninth grade when that happened. So I remember that stuff pretty well. But it's it's just, right. I don't want us to go overboard, have, like I said, meltectors and all that everywhere. Because then it's just, you know, you're going, then the kids won't feel, you know, they're going to feel like a prison. We don't need that. Right. Um, I, I think it, there is something to be said. Um, everything that you covered so far is exactly on point. But there is something um, to be said about, you know, um, the... Uh, you know why um why um why there's so much money is thrown to the schools as if money is a problem as of money the lack of money is a problem and i don't believe that to be the case so you know i think that there should be um, some accountability as to how that money is being spent on these schools, wouldn't you say? Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, again, like I said, part of it is federal, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, well, like I said, some of the areas, like a lot on athletics and these huge athletic buildings and training facilities and all this. And like I said, I, I'm all for athletics because, I mean, there's there's some good parts there you can learn, you know, through teamwork. And and some people it helps with their, you know, an eventual career, you know, going to college and that. But we don't need these huge facilities pay with taxpayer funded. Now, if it's, you know, private donations, that's a different story. You know, people giving out their own free will. But, you know, with taxation, it's, you know, this is going up whether you like it or not, and, and and that's a problem to me because that doesn't directly help education. But, yeah, absolutely the money that, that's being spent is, should be accountable. And if there's, you know, that's, I don't know if it's better budgeting or, or better school boards or what, but it it's, yeah, certainly every dollar should be accounted for. And it right. should be the most possible should go to education, less to bureaucrats and, and other things. I totally agree with you. W one big concern that I have that's going on to add um, a finer point to that is, um, you know, this whole, um, you know, this this uh, this new way of mathematics that they're teaching in schools. Oh, common uh, Core. Common Core. Yeah, Common Core. And I think that should that should be replaced with you know I, I'm not saying that the traditional way was the best system, but Common Core 
is so freaking confusing. I've seen some of the math problems that the kids are given, and the way they're told how to solve math problems, particularly word problems, I'm like, really? Seriously? Yeah, I, yeah. I when I saw that, I didn't get it either. And it looks back to you know doing a little bit of research. Um, they tried something, a new kind of math, and I think the '60s. They called it the new math, and it was it's there were parodies about it. It was just so hilariously messed up. I mean, there has to be you know I'm not an educator, so I don't want to speculate in different ways to teach you know like math and that and. But yeah, Common Core, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. And what I hate is that it's being forced upon you. I know the feds do it, but then each state, you know, in certain ways, and of course Michigan seemed to opt in fairly early on, which I was completely against. Again, I don't want the feds telling us how to handle our education. The feds, they don't know anything about this state. You know, let the people who actually live here and have lived here for years and, and know right. their children and that be able to decide how they're taught, not some people in Washington. Or Lansing. Right. Um, so, you know, um, tell me about your campaign platform. Um, what's your um, main focus right now? Um, you know, I, I, I saw it on Facebook. I noticed you don't have a website yet. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, but, pretty low budget campaign. I admit that. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, tell me about this roundabout thing. Is it, is it <laughs> similar? Is, 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 is um, are, are you referring indirectly um, about um, eminent domain, for instance? Is that well? Is that you know what that. That's part of it, actually. Um, I don't like eminent domain to begin with. Um, part of, I mean, it's it's a whole, it's a couple things. Um, again, if it's private roads, that's that's completely different. You know, I, I don't I don't want to see them on while we have government roads. Like, suppose eminent domain, they're larger than, generally they're larger than your typical intersection. So you have to take property from, you know, the corners around, whether four or six corners or however many roads come in there. But part of it is this, when I've run into them, I mean, I know how to use them, but they just seem people just don't understand them. And I think as a whole, they actually hurt traffic. It actually makes congestion worse. Um, you know, people just, they see them and they, I, I don't know, for some reason they don't understand them. And I think it's bad for trucks because trucks are really big. You know, you need space in a roundabout because it's, a, you know, it's a circle. And trucks, of course, are larger. They need more turning radius, and I worry about that. And like I said, con uh, traffic congestion. I mean, I know you can make them look pretty and put a tree or, or whatever, and, you know, trees are nice. But I, I just think they're too much of a hassle for a driver, our drivers, and they actually hurt in the a long run. Um, and that's, I, that's one of the things is, I mean, it's personally bothered me. I mean, again, I know how to use them, but I've always felt that, one, unfortunately, with third parties, we don't get a lot of media attention. Um, we have to fight and claw for every little bit they get. And coming up with an idea that's way out of the box or something that's never talked about, I think, helps get us some media attention. And while I believe in the roundabout thing, I brought it up because somebody will look at that and, and you know, think 
either that's good or they think it's strange or whatever, but it'll get me some a little bit of media attention in, I think, a good way. So people may go to my campaign and see, learn more about me. Right. And I'm more than just getting rid of roundabouts, you know, look at some of my other platforms. Um, fortunately, like I said, with the media ignoring, uh, you know, in the media's eyes, there's only two candidates, you know, we have to do things to, to get out there and come up with ideas like this. I like that. I really do like that, Keith. I mean, that's just outstanding how you put it. Um, another point that you brought up, bring up in your, uh, your, your list of issues here, you want to end the war on drugs. And, yes. uh, and I am with you 100%. The war on drugs needs to be retired. It needs to be eliminated right now. If, I mean, if we could eliminate it right now, that would be great. Preferably right now, but as soon as possible with that being the only option on the table. And you know what? My attitude has always been, you know, if I want to have sex with a hooker and snort, uh, you know, cocaine or heroin on her uh, cleavage, I couldn't care less. I mean, you know, as, you know, just leave me alone. Let me do my thing. If I OD, oh, well. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I understand why people are so scared to death about drugs being legalized. You know, we'll have, you know, our kids being hooked on drugs like that hasn't happened already. And, um, and, you know, um, and also marijuana, um, right. you know, so, um, what would be the first step you would do if you were elected to the governorship regarding the war on drugs at the state level? Right, because unfortunately you like you mentioned state level because you've got the federal problem too, um, which I personally don't think it's even a. Uh, I think it's a Tenth Amendment thing, so it should fall to the states to begin with. Um, but but getting that out of the way, uh, marijuana would be the first. Um, in I'm for Proposal One, but there's some things I don't like about it. Um, I don't like the restrictions on it, and I don't like the increased police force. Um, but my view on drugs is, you know, I don't do the only drug that I'll have once in a while is alcohol. I do like beer. I mean, I admit that. But, you know, I'm I'm the guy who I don't do pot. I don't do cocaine or, or heroin or whatever. And I don't advocate that people. Not even psychedelics? No, no, man. No psychedelics. <laughs> but and I don't personally advocate people do that. But again, what you do in your life is your choice. I don't think it's right for me to tell you what to do as long as you don't harm anyone. It's just like I don't want you to tell me what to do. You know, it, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I believe in you, and I think you know how to run your life better than I do. Now, you know, I don't want, like, eight-year-olds smoking crack or anything. No, because – but at the same time, uh, like, let's say teenagers, right now, even though drugs are illegal, and we all know that, 
if, if somebody really wants to get heroin or pot or, or whatever, they're going to go and get it. I mean, there's a way to do it. So I think I think if it is legalized, um, people will try it. You know, it, it'll quick. It'll go up a little bit at first because hey, it's you know curiosity. But I think the rates will level off or probably even go down because they'll say, oh, you know, they'll try to say heroin, they'll realize how horrible it is, and not want to do it again. And the people, of course, that will do it would have done it anyway. They would have gone to seek it out anyway. Um, so marijuana would be first, and we'd have to go step by step at the others. I mean, it, it's not something, like you said, that's going to happen overnight. But, you know, we have alcohol is legal, and you could say that's very harmful. Some say marijuana, you know, and, and we don't have right. – can't buy more than – if this proposal passes more than 10, you can't have more than 10 ounces of marijuana in your home, I think that's ridiculous. But, you know, most people don't want to ban alcohol because they tried that in the 20s and early 30s, and you saw what happened. It was a colossal failure. It's the exact same thing with the war on drugs. Right, right. Well, you know... Um, of course, I don't want eight-year-olds on cocaine or LSD or um, or heroin. But what I find hypocritical about a lot of people saying, well, we can't have our kids on drugs. Well, if you don't want kids on drugs, then why are you putting them on psychotropic drugs like Xanax, Prozac, and all these other um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills. And yeah, it's like just the medicating of your kids. And I, some of these drugs, I, these prescription drugs, I'm glad you brought that up. I think some of them are even worse than, say, marijuana, you know, and they can be more easily abused. And it seems, you know, just because a doctor gives a prescription for you doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you you know all our bodies are different and you can I prescription drugs are very easily abused we all know that we hear about it every day so yeah that's another part of the problem is is prescription drugs I completely agree with you and it's you know there it seems now with kids and it was like this when I was growing up too probably the early years um, where oh the kids you know hyperactive or they just pump them back then there was Ritalin was the big drug so I could pipe him up some Ritalin and he'll calm down. Well, that's, that's not good for the kid because then he, you know, he or she ends up being dependent on that drug and then they, they could get addicted. And, I mean, that's even worse than, say, you know, not that I want to give an 8-year-old pot, but, you know, I mean, prescription drugs are, are addictive too, but yet in most cases they're perfectly legal. I, you know, see, it, it, it's hypocritical here. Yeah, it is hypocritical considering the side effects that you can encounter from every uh, prescribed drug out there. I mean, there can be like, uh, say, you know, kidney damage, liver damage, um, you know, there can be high blood pressure, um, what else? Um, thyroid problems, whatever, whatever the side effect is, it can do some major harm to your body, yet we make sure that, that our kids are on these drugs and it needs, 
you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't say on one hand, well, we don't want our kids on cocaine, heroin, and and pot, but uh, we don't have a problem with them on Xanax and oh, and uh, and and a lot of these other medications that doctors prescribe them on. I mean, come on, uh, you, you can't have it both ways. Right, and a lot of problem in that case, part of it uh, has to go with the parents, too, uh, going along with a lot of this, just pump, pump the kids up with drugs and things will be better. No, they're not for the most part. Um, so we have to, you know, the parents play a role in this whole thing, too, to make sure their kids get on or, you know, don't try all these drugs. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, I love what you're talking about. Taxation is theft. Yes. Um, you know, that's fantastic that you have that in your platform. Um, also, the gambling issue. I yeah. like what you put down for gambling. I mean, um, you should be able to legally gamble to your heart's content even if you're playing back, um, um, you know, like uh, a card game or something, and you're throwing money on a table. Um, you know, the lotto is just a ripoff. The odds of you winning money by playing the lotto are like, what, millions to one? Right. And right. Even for the, the small prizes, the odds are stacked against you, way against you. Way against you. And, you know, just recently there were a bunch of people who were lining up at, you know, the, the, the gas stations and the grocery stores getting for, you know, buying mega billion tickets. And I'm like, seriously? Um, so, you know, I mean, um, plus I, the way I figure it, the, the state doesn't have that kind of money to begin with. They're just using that entire system to make money off of you. Um, so, but a lot of people are just too stupid to notice this. Now, we need to legalize gambling. Um, are there any moves, any um, progress towards that? I mean, um, um, is that like one of the first things you would do if you were elected as governor? Well, I, it wouldn't be, you know, it's not at the top of my list, but it's certainly in there because, um, again, it's a freedom issue. You know, if you want to spend your money and then on cards or poker or, you know, roulette or any kind of sports betting, I think is a big one. That's a huge industry popping up. You know, that, that should be your choice. You, the problem, you know, the state lottery, like you said, exactly that it's run by the state or, or multiple states. And it's, it's just a way for the state to get more money to share on. I prefer it like Nevada. Nevada doesn't have a state lottery. You know, it's all, you know, private 
you know, I, I'm sure the government's involved to a degree because they have regulation. I know that, you know, because I've been in Nevada and they have, you know, different state uh, employees that go to even the slot machines in the grocery store. Uh, and yes, they do have slot machines and grocery stores in Nevada. I've seen it personally. Um, but I, yeah, I would like to see it, you know, whether it's casino or whether, you know, in Michigan, unless things have changed recently, it's actually illegal to have a poker game in your in your house. You know, you could be playing for practically nothing, you know, a dollar or ten dollars, some, you know, low money, but that is actually illegal in the state of Michigan to have you and three of your friends play a couple rounds of, of Texas Hold'em. In some states it is legal, like I think Ohio it is. But Michigan, even like oh, that, the cops could come. And, yeah, the cops could come and arrest you. Again, unless that's changed recently, you know, I hope I'm wrong and it has changed. But, yeah, the cops could right. come and, and, and cite you for, for gambling because you and three friends are, are gambling over, you know, 20 bucks playing Hold'em, you know, just hanging out, you know, smoking a cigar and drinking beer or whatever you do. But the problem with that, the, the casino thing, there was a proposal many years ago, and I can't remember when it was, that they wanted to make it easier to get casinos in, in Michigan. Because right now in Michigan, the only casinos that are permitted are the three in Detroit and a couple of the, on the Native American lands, uh, which are even hard to get because they, they've tried to expand those and it's been very difficult outside of where their lands are now. And the state has, has said no. And I know they want to build one by Metro Airport in Detroit and, and Port Huron and some other places. But for new casinos coming in, we would need legislation because it seems that the three Detroit I'd casinos are about the only public in, ones. Right. I would love to have one here in Chesterfield. <laughs> right. Uh, you're, 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 you're in good location. And I think that. You know, you, you've heard the the problem. Oh, well, it's going to bring people going to go and gamble. Well, I mean, unfortunately, that that's a choice that people have to make. Like me, I like to go to a casino once in a while, but I know I've always believed that I don't go in when I when I do go, I only bring the amount of money that I can afford to lose. You know, I don't spend my my mortgage money or you know to pay the electric bill or whatever. And you know, if I lose it all, you know, oh well, you know, it's, I guess it's an expensive video game type or entertainment. And if I win, you know, hooray. But yeah, again, it's it's a freedom that we have, and you know, if you you should be able to spend your money and your time however you wish. And yeah, I'd like to see more casinos. I think it would help the economy. You'd have you'd have casino people working, you know, casino workers. You'd have maintenance people. You'd have you know all sorts of people that are involved with the casino. You have people building it. So you have you you know the construction industry. I mean, it would really help the economy. And I think even if you went say the Nevada route and had it and say grocery stores again it would be up to the store you know you're not going to force any store to have gambling it'd be their choice but you know say the store you know the grocery store or gas or whatever you know even let's say the bank just any kind of business you know have like a couple slot machines or or video poker or whatever whatever right and besides it's very entrepreneurial it's totally, you know, the whole idea of running a casino and people know the risks when they invest their money into playing the slot machines or um, the tables, whether it's backgammon or, or poker, um, they, they, you know, they they know what they're getting themselves into, but it's a free market um, system there. 
And, you know, that's what people do. People go there and they're voluntarily giving their money and they're, they're playing these games, hoping they'll win some money and everything. And, you know, it's great that you do win money, but there's also the risk that you could lose some, and that comes with the territory. Right. So. And, and the problem with, with us limiting gambling is some of our neighboring states have opened up casinos and they have you know started taking away business from, let's say, obviously Detroit ones are the big ones. Uh, a casino opened in, across the line in Toledo that has taken a small percentage, only from downriver. Um, you know, Windsor was the first one. Uh, so that's not too much of a factor anymore with the whole border issue. But, you know, it's, it's a... I can't see it doing, but let's say, like in Indiana, let's say they decide to expand gambling and Michigan's left in the dust. You know, everyone's going to go to South Bend or, or Indianapolis or whatever, and that's going to take away from Michigan. It's going to take away money from the state because people are going out of state, which, again, is their right, but, I mean, it's going to hurt us in the state. And uh, what wasn't, it's sports betting. Sports betting, which I'm not a part of, but it's a huge industry now. States are starting to legalize it, Delaware and I think New Jersey because they have Atlantic City and Nevada already had it for a while, but even individual and prop bets and that, I think that's big deal because people are doing it anyway. Right. Do you know how many office pulls you have for for March Madness with basketball or you know NFL playoff brackets or Major League Baseball the brackets or side bets or or whatever? You know, there's so it, it's going on anyway. I mean, most people are doing it to one way or another. Let's just, you know, which is technically illegal. I'm sure if the state wanted to, they could send an officer in and have you arrested because you put $10 in your office pool uh, to say that the Lions are going to beat the Seahawks. You know, I mean, that, that's just, it's just, for, prosecute someone for something like that is ridiculous. So just legalize it, you know, let people do it. Again, it's a freedom thing. No one's forcing you to gamble. Um and I'm sure that, you know, people that would get addicted, there's, you know, nonprofits out there that would certainly help them out and your friends help you out, you know. Because I know some Maybe people I know like, about Maybe uh, right, like a GA, Gamblers, Gamblers Anonymous or... Right, yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, because, and to help people who are compulsive gamblers. Right. And, uh, you know, it's... It happens. Now, right, cause, let me cause they're going to gamble anyway, regardless of right. if they're legal or not. Right. Now, is horse racing legal here in this state? That's a good question. Ye- I mean, yes, there are not many tracks left. I mean, I, I do admit I'm a little bit... Um, I don't know as much about outstate, but I know in the Detroit area... Uh, all the tracks are pretty much gone because of the business. It's just horse racing other than the Kentucky Derby and a couple other things are pretty much, uh, you know, they're just dying out. Uh, there was a thoroughbred track. I know Livonia had one for years that closed probably maybe 20 years ago. Uh, there was a thoroughbred that they tried by the airport, which which was popular for seemingly a week or two, and it bombed, and the land went into foreclosure, and it's, it's right. just nothing now. The local tracks, the smaller right. tracks, Hazel Park was there forever. That closed. Northville, Downs, 
to my knowledge, at least in the Detroit area, is the only one that's left. And I, that one, I, from what I heard, is closing in the near future. Um, Hazel Park, I know, and I'm sure Northville did too, has simulcasting where you can go and uh, you know bet on other races across the country. They had it, you know, through computerized and whatever, where you can bet, you know, race across the country, and then you would get your money. Um, I think that I'm not sure if it. It probably was just legalized at those couple tracks. You can't just do that anywhere. But again, that'd be something I'd legalize because you could bring in money. There's a, a small chain of places in, in in Indiana. I was at one in Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis, which is a, a fun city to go to, by the way, um, if you ever get to travel. Um, but they had, you know, they had a bar with, you know, you could get your drinks and, and they had good food. And then they had a whole other room where you could just bet on horses, you know, all over the country in California and New York and wherever Great else. Great food, right. It brings people great in. Fo- right. Right, exactly. Great food, great cocktails, um, and uh, enjoying the, um, you know, the the whole um, races and whatnot, mm-hmm. and the derbies, um, and if you want to put money down for the horse you think has an awesome chance of winning, Hopefully you win some money. So Right, and you uh, you bring people together too because they you know, if you're at the bar, you know, people bring up and you get conversations and it, it's good for meeting people, hanging out and socializing. You know, it, it it's a good thing. And again it's a, you know, businesses so you, you employ people and all that other good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, you know, that we need more of that yeah. here in Michigan. Right. Um you know, one of the things I hate what Congress did was make online gambling illegal. And, yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, and that was just totally uncalled for. And, you know, uh, it's all about this whole, well, you shouldn't gamble because it's against what God wants. It's all... A lot of it, it's religion-based, but it's, it's, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. So, um, you know, I, I believe gambling is uh, Ill, uh, online is illegal here in Michigan uh, because yes. it falls into the federal mandate. Um, but... Um, you know, hopefully the party, if it were in a position to do so, could elect a presidential candidate that could change everything. And you would introduce legislation that would make gambling online legal here, you know, bring it back. I know you'd have to fight the feds in some issue, which, by the way, gambling isn't a federal It should be a state issue because it's not in the Constitution. But, yeah, absolutely, you know, online gambling. Again, you know, you, you bring up the God thing. Well, no one is forcing you to gamble. And if you believe in, your, in God, whatever God that is, and, and let's say the Bible says you shouldn't gamble, well, then, you know, that's your choice. And, you know, no one's forcing you to gamble. And I respect you if, you, if you know, in your religion and you don't want to gamble. Again, that's your right. But there's people that, that 
don't believe in that and do want to gamble for whatever reason. And I don't think you should take away their freedom. You know, freedom goes both ways. Right. Right. Um, you know, um, what made you choose to um, run as a natural law candidate in lieu of the as a Michigan libertarian for governor candidate? Okay. Um, the natural law, well, let me, uh, the natural law party, because pretty much uh, not many people have heard about it, and it's pretty much defunct. Uh, it was founded in the early 90s based on, it was originally based on meditation, and the Maharishi originally endorsed it. Uh, things fell apart over the years after a few presidential campaigns. The nat, uh, National Party broke up, um, and they slowly lost ballot access. Michigan is an easy state to retain ballot access. It's hard to get on, but it's easy for parties to stay on. So the party eventually evolved to independence, where, as you said at the beginning of the show, it's there really is no platform. You just run as you wish. It's friend of mine calls it the ballot access party, and that's pretty much what it is. It's easier to get on than you know, standing out in the cold or in the rain or the heat, getting signatures to be on as an independent. You know, you you've got a spot on the ballot, and you run it however you wish. Um, the thing with the libertarian for governor. Uh, Michigan has, well, there's a couple of things. One, there's, I've had some uh, internal disagreements with the party. Um, I, I don't want to go too detailed because I don't want to go into slamming people. Um, there's some really good people in the Libertarian Party um, that really believe in liberty and, and are really good ad advocates, and I support them 100%. Uh, the other, uh, one of the other problems is that the Libertarian Party, because of Gary Johnson's performance in 16, uh, per Michigan has elevated into quote unquote a major party or a ballot, uh, I mean a primary party where they have primaries. And to get on the ballot to run for a statewide office, uh, say it's governor, U.S. Senate, um, like that, you need between 15 and 30,000 valid signatures within a certain time frame. I think it's six months. Uh, they may have changed it. And of these signatures, at least 100 has to be in one half of the, the congressional district, which is seven different districts, which, granted, isn't that hard to do in the Detroit area because there's so many districts, they all kind of swirl together. I mean, if you're in, say, Marquette, then you have to come all the way down here, essentially. But it's it's really difficult to get between 15 and 30,000 signatures in a time frame, unless you have a huge a volunteer group or you're willing to pay for paid petitioners, which one of the which I'm sure several candidates do. I know one has for sure. And right. you know, I don't want to spend that kind of money. And you know, I didn't have the the volunteer group, so I said, you know what? Looking at you know, I wasn't happy with who was running, and like I said, I went under the Natural Law Party. They did they, to my knowledge, is ne have never run anyone for governor in the state of Michigan, even back when they were more active and in the, in the meditation and that, um, at least from the records that I've been look, able to see. So, you know, I decided to give it a go. They have no, you know, because of the platform thing, I can run as an independent. I was nominated. They said, sure, you know, at the convention. So here I am. And, you know, and, and I understand that it's been, you know, for some in the liberty movement, there's been some issue over because, you know, they have a candidate as a libertarian, but I just feel that I have a, I, I'm, I'm a, more of a freedom person. I'd say more on the level of freedom than 
um, anyone else that was nominated on the group. So I felt that that's why I decided to run because this way the people that are really big freedom lovers and are in the same position as me as not being happy with any of the other candidates on the ballot has somebody that's speaking for them and getting a message out. So that that's why I decided to run natural law. But I'm essentially, like you said, I'm a small L libertarian. I'm a libertarian at heart. If you ask me where I am on the spectrum, I tell you, you know, clearly libertarian. You know, I don't hide my libertarian beliefs. It's just under a different party. Right. Um, now, what? Um, um, the next question I was going to ask you was going to be about your um, campaign in particular, but I'm going to move that a little bit. And because you mentioned the candidate who is running as a capital L libertarian for Michigan governor, and that's Bill Jelenol. Yes. And uh, um, how do you feel about Bill and his well, uh, uh Well, I mean, again, I don't want to go into too much bashing. I, I will say I personally don't care for Bill Jelano, uh personally or a lot of his views. Um, but I do, I have met his, his lieutenant governor, and at least to me, she's been really nice. I've only met her a couple times, though. But it's just, I think his, you know, his style of campaigning is more in the shooty in Whitmer, where there seems to be a lot of negativity. Um, in contrast, I've ran into the uh, two of the other candidates running for governor, uh, Todd Schleiger of the Taxpayers and Jennifer Curlin of the Green Party. And both have always been very cordial to me. We've, you know, we have, you know, we get in our forums, you know, we disagree on things. But then after that, it's not like, a, you know, it's not a hatred thing. We're talking and we're having fun and, you know, having jokes and that, you know, because we, we understand yeah, you know, that the system is broken. And you guys could have like a cup of coffee or beer, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because we, we, you know, we understand the system isn't working right now. We, you know, we have different views of where it's going, but it, there's no hatred. And, you know, we're all, you know, we're all in this, you know, third party thing together. Where, right. You know, we all want to be on the debates. We all want media coverage. And, you know, we all want these. And, and we're on so, the same you know, side. We're on the same side when it comes to that. You know, right. So, you know, so um, that's that's brilliant and, and that's fantastic. You know, uh, I like the green party candidate of uh, the taxpayer guy. Yeah. He, he sounds reasonable. You know, yeah. He's a, uh, he's a very, yeah. I, I know Todd better than Jennifer. Cause I run into Todd a lot more. Todd is very down to earth. He has a sense of humor. he, you know, he's principled, he, and he's not, and he really is an independent. He's under the taxpayer, but he doesn't agree with all their stuff. From what he told me, they needed a candidate, and they came to him, you know, because he was about to run as an independent. You know, he had however many signatures, which, you know, again, the signature thing is a really hard hurdle to cross. So he uh, got their nomination, and he's been out there, but he only mentions the taxpayer party because that's where he's on the ballot, but he's, he's campaigns as an independent. 
which is essentially what he is. He's kind of a moderate, and he, you know, he has some some good proposals. And like I said, he's a really good guy, and you know, I think we're all supporting yeah. each other in this one, and wherever our, our ways go. And like I said, Jennifer Curlin's a really nice woman too. Very, you know, principled into what her beliefs are. You know, does a lot of research, and you know, and comes to the conclusion how she thinks these problems should be solved. They're both really good. You know, if, if you don't support me, I would hope you'd support one of those two. Um, any anyone out there listening, uh, because they're both they're both good candidates right. if that's where you if that's the area you believe. Um, but I know I know you right. mentioned Bill Jelinos. Just some of his uh, just some of his platforms. Some of them are all right. You know, they're they're libertarian, but others just just don't sound really libertarian it's and that's you know an issue and that's very troubling to me that that's right. always been lame you know and because i remember oh i'm sorry go ahead and it just seems there's at least what i've noticed uh, he seems to not be you know if somebody's supporting anyone else for governor he he seems to be on the uh, offensive you know and and and, I, you know, I don't like that. I mean, I admit, I think we've all done that at some point, saying, hey, you know, you should vote for me. Or, right. you know, someone who's undecided, you try to pull in there. But there, there gets to be one where someone is, is extremely decided and they know they're going to vote for something. They made up their mind. I mean, to me, just attacking that person, saying, or any, any candidate who does this, saying, well, why would you vote for them? They're, you know, whatever. You should vote for me instead. I mean, if somebody's decided, you're not going to change their mind. And, I, I just think that, and I think the fact that he's turned down a lot of free media, I have not run into him at any of these candidate forums, or, or shooting Whitmer as well. I mean, I don't want to, I want to lump those three in there. They haven't seen them at any candidate forums. I haven't seen them at any of these. There was a debate in Okemos on public access, you know, that people watch, and yes, they called in, and it was online, and, you know, they weren't there, and... You know, some of them have turned down interviews. I mean, I, I just don't understand that. You know, to me, I love those little town forums where you have, say, you know, people in the local community, 20, 50 people, however many it is, because you get to meet them and talk to them. You know, if you're if you're on a big stage, you're not going to be able to talk to 4,000 people. You know, you, you'll talk to a few of them, probably your big donors, but you're not going to be able to talk to people that just show up because they want to learn about the candidates and they want to ask you something. I, I answer all the questions that I get from people, you know, and, and I tell them the truth of you know, they may not like my answers, but I'm, I'm genuine. I don't like to pander to people. And right. uh, fortunately, a lot of candidates do that. You know, me, I'm going to tell you what I think. And, you know, if you, some will have a concern and I'll just tell them where I'm coming from, from my perspective. And I know not everyone's going to vote for me and some people won't vote for me, but you know, that's their choice. And, you know, and I, and I do tell them, I do thank everyone, even if they're against me, for asking me questions and, you know, wanting to learn more. Because that that's the way we learn. That's the way we make uh, educated decisions uh, for our, you know, choosing who we're going to vote for. Right. Well, you know what really, um, you know, Angelique Thomas, um, I, I can't remember her last name, but... She, um, his running mate there. I met her at the convention, and I'll tell you, well, I wasn't really impressed with her. But now, since the since that, and she is starting to question everything that 
Bill has promised and everything. I'm starting to have some respect for her now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know her, her well, and I don't know all her, her exact positions as opposed to his. So, you know, I don't want to say that, but she's the few times I've run into her, she's been very cordial toward me. And, you know, she she hasn't, at least to me publicly, hasn't said anything bad. And, you know, she's always been very nice. So she, I think if the ticket were reversed, it would have been much better for the party, for the Libertarian. Well, you know, I mean, if anything, if you were uh, the top candidate in the polls and whatnot in lieu of Bajelinol, she could have easily um, and possibly have been your running mate. You know, yep, if, that, yes, that would be possible. That would have been possible. So, um but um, I hear that she's not particularly too fond of uh, Bill's eugenics plan. That yeah, that, that, that plan is just, it's, I'm at a loss of words. I mean, I, I've, I've heard that too. I mean, I don't know, I haven't heard it from her mouth, but that's what I've heard, uh, you know, secondhand. But yeah, his his right. program is where I don't can't remember all the deals off my head, but he essentially wants to pay low income teenagers, I think starting at about fifteen, to not have kids until I think they're twenty three. And it, it's just, you know, the fact that he's targeting certain groups and doesn't want them to procreate, which but you know, the government shouldn't be involved in that at all. I mean, whether you want to have kids or have abortions or whatever. Anyway, I don't think the government should be involved. And the problem is that right. he is getting the government involved and that, that to me is not a libertarian position. I mean, maybe in his mind it's good intentions, but I mean I just don't see it that way. And yes, I do see it as a type of eugenics and I know people have brought that up. And he's laughed at him and he scoffed at him, which, you know, I mean, obviously he's not going to say anything about eugenics because it's a horrible thing. But, you know, it's just it's just not a good plan. And if that's true, if what I hear is true and she's not happy about it, I mean, I, I can't imagine what that is, you know, what's going on, you know, behind closed doors, you know, when the two of them are talking or on the phone or whatever. But, you know, I mean, behind the that's scenes... Where we are. Right. Behind the scenes, I think that's become a disaster for him. Well, from, from, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard a lot of his supporters, or at least some of them, even some of his diehards are questioning that proposal, but, you know, they're still like him on other things. Um, and then some of his supporters have either gone to undecided or they've backed other candidates. Uh, some of them have gone to me, actually which, you know, of course I appreciate, I appreciate the votes, um, that they're, they're looking at other party options if they're not happy with who their first choice was. Because, you know, we still have time, right. unless you've already voted absentee, to make your decision. And I'm glad that people are looking at all the candidates and not just the top two or three. Um, I think, and this is just... Um, it's possible I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think you're going to have a lot of support because you're on the ballot. And Bill's support 
is going to be a lot less to be desired. And I mean, he's going to he's going to get support, of course, because he's he's spending a lot more money than I am. He has you know advertisings out there, but I mean you know we'll find out on the you know on the sixth, you know, or right. very early in the morning in the seventh, you know. But it's you know there's the you know who knows what the polls are because polls are all over the place, and most of us are not even in the polls, which is another horrible problem with the way our elections are and the way the media and polling places treat us like we don't even exist. But I mean, you know, I I don't think because libertarians generally don't pull that well anyway. I mean, the elections. I think Mary Bazoom has had the highest percentage of governor in Michigan four years ago. That was shade over one percent. Um, well, so, what I mean, really pissed, what what really pissed me off about her, and I'm going to say this no matter what, I. I called her campaign, and I um, and I offered to volunteer for her campaign. I must have called maybe quite a handful of times. I I don't know. I, I don't remember the exact amount, but I never got a call back. And I was and I and I was thinking to myself. Okay, this is a waste of time. Why should anybody vote for her when she doesn't return, you know, her, you know, a, a prospective campaign supporters for call? And she, um, she just, she just didn't seem to be doing anything. That was another problem I know. Right. Well, well, any, any, to me, any candidate that if you call them and wanting to, or email them or however and wanted to support them, help them, and they don't respond, especially third-party candidates, because we don't have the staff, we don't have the budgets, we need all the help we can get, and they don't return your call. I mean, to me, that's, that's not right. I mean, I don't want to speculate what, what was going on in Mary's life. I mean, you know, four years, you know, what was that? Yeah, four years ago. I don't know. I know she did meet with me once when she came out this way. Uh, I think it was in Northville, and we talked for a little bit because she had another event to go to. I mean, I don't want to speculate in her life, but one thing I do is when I get all these, you know, emails and, and comments, whatever, I try to comment on everyone, even the people that um, don't really support her or any kind of questions that I get because I think that's the best way to communicate with people, especially, like I said, for parties like us that don't get the media attention that we really should get. So, you know, being engaged with the voters, and especially someone who, who would want to volunteer and support you in whatever way they can, yeah, I think absolutely you should reach out to them, or at very least have somebody, a staffer or another volunteer, reach out and say, hey, you know, glad you're interested. What would you like to do? Or here's where we need help. So that, I mean, right. you know, I know four years ago, I know she had events that she went to. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Like I said, I don't want to speculate what else is going on in her life. Um, it, it is very hard to run a campaign. Um, I know me personally. I, you know, I work full time, and you know, I have other obligations and stuff, so I can't be on the trail constantly. But I, again, I try to answer everyone that I can in a timely manner because that's, you know, they're they're taking their time to reach out to me. The least I can do is give them a response or a comment or, or you know whatever involved because. 
you know, that's just a common courtesy thing to do. And with the way technology is now, it's a lot easier. You know, you don't have to write a letter out and put it in the mail and wait. It's not like how it was, say, four years ago or even eight years ago, for that matter. So it's it's a lot um, it's a lot more um, it's a lot more different nowadays than it used to be, say back around 2010 and 2014. So, um, but. Uh, Getting on to another matter here, and uh, something that I think that's very important. Um, so, how many people have volunteered for your campaign? Um, how much support do you have? It, and um, what do you think your uh, experience uh, is going to be on election day? Um, well, I anything out of it? well, I don't. Well, first of all, I don't think I'm going to win. Um, I, I've come to that real, realization a long time ago. I mean, it's theoretically possible, but it, it's highly unlikely. Um, support. I mean, I don't. You know, have people knocking on doors and stuff. It's pretty much just telling people that you know it comes up in conversation, you know, in personal life, and then you know they want to learn more, and then hopefully they spread that on to their friends, their neighbors, their whatever. Some of it is online. You know, I have the online page, and I have, you know, supporters of mine online telling people um, about me and, you know, a little about me. Check out his page. You know, he's good on liberty and, you know, little bits of things. Um, I'm certainly not spending a lot of money. I I do have the waiver to spend less than $1,000. Um, I don't have the money to spend, and like I said, I don't like asking people for money. It's it's just not who I am. Um, the only person I've asked who might even don't give me like 20 bucks for gas is my own mother because she's my mom and she loves me. But even then, you know, she doesn't have it, you know, she can't spare it right now. So I'm not going to push her. Um, but pretty much, you know, I'm, right. I'm going out to these, these events, you know, these, these either whether they're forums or, or like I said, the one debate in Okemos and meeting people and speaking. I've done a handful of, of interviews. Um, I've had a couple radio interviews, one in Toledo, one in Flint, one in uh, uh, Port Huron, uh, Eastern Michigan had one. There was one in uh, Detroit, uh, a couple in Detroit. Uh, TV's been hard. Uh, I've only had, other than the public access in Okemos, I've only had little campaign snippets in Grand Rapids on, on the Grand Valley Station. Or I had one interview with uh, the Fox affiliate in Grand Rapids, and then Channel 4 in Detroit did a little feature with third-party candidates, which was, you know, I'd rather, I'd like to be in their debate, but, you know, their obscene criteria is uh, none of us were invited except the big two, but at least they threw me a little bone and did a feature, uh, you know, short segment yeah. with the third-party candidates, which, I mean, they didn't have to do that. So it was nice that they at least did that because most of the other media, unfortunately, is just ignoring you. They'll either get a, oh, thanks, we'll pass it along, or we're not interested at this time, or just, you know, flat out being ignored. And then, you know, there's there's the, the voter's guide and the questionnaires that you get from the local newspapers and League of Women Voters, just writing that out and people seeing it and hopefully coming to visit. It seems like my 
my Facebook page, uh, the visitors have gone up, and there have been more likes the last week or so. I think people just seeing the link, and I don't know if they all support me, but at least, hey, you know, let's follow this guy. Let's see what he has to say. Um, basically, what I'd like to do with this campaign, of course, short of winning, is is get the message out, you know, a message of freedom that, you know, you, like I said, you know how to run your life better than I do and that we don't need the government to solve all these problems, that we can do it ourselves. You know, I believe in individual liberty. I believe in, you know, the tax system uh, being drastically reduced and eventually eliminated, hopefully at some point, but, you know, you have to start somewhere. So that's, I'd like to see that message out there and someone carry it out. Even if it is, say, a Republican or a Democrat takes little pieces and starts running with them, you know, that's that's good to me that they're at least listening to me that, you know, well, the in the third parties have some say. Yeah. Um, are there members in the LPM who are who are reaching out to you, who are basically saying, oh, yeah, I, I want to help your campaign. Uh, all sucks. Let's, let's do this. Um, have you been contacted by them? I've had some people that are, that are uh, libertarian members, uh, members of the party, that, yeah, they, they do not like uh, Bill Jelenol for whatever reason. There's different reasons. And they, uh, you know, they said, yeah, I'm supporting you. And, of course, I'm like, awesome. You know, I, any vote, I love the supporters. And uh, basically I told them, you know, just, just get the word out and tell people. And I know a few that certainly are uh, helping out. And, uh, I, of course, I appreciate them uh, very much. And I even have some that... Oh, don't worry. I'll be getting the um, the vote out for you. So I'll be, um, you know, promoting your campaign. You don't have to worry I, about that. I appreciate that. All the help I get, anyone who's listening or anyone out there, I appreciate it. Um, as for where I figure to place, I mean, the problem is with natural law party, I'm at the bottom of the ballot. I'm right above write-ins. Um, so it's really hard to, to – I like, you know, I think to me the highest I realistically could finish is, well, third would be great. Well, I, short of winning, I'd love to be third. Um because I don't see winning or second really happening. It's, it's, but realistically, I'm probably going to be sixth because natural law is ignored. Maybe I'll get fifth and, and leapfrog someone. But with the lack of attention and the fact that I've spent very little money, um, I'm probably not right. going to do so well. I mean, I freely admit that. But at the same time, you know, don't don't take that as in don't vote for me because if you vote for me, that's telling these people, hey, we agree with at least most, if not all, of what this guy's saying. You know, he's onto something, and that'll get the attention to say one of the front, you know, one of the winners of the legislature. Something, hey, you know, let's listen to this guy. He's got all this support, and you know, for spending no money, he did. You know, he's obviously has some ideas out there. So, you know, the whole wasted vote system, I think, is ridiculous. You know, you vote for the person that you right. think. To me, you vote for the person that you think is the best candidate, not the, oh, i got to vote for this person or this person, you know, this other person might win. I've always thought that was dumb. You're supposed to vote right. for someone, not against them, whether that's a, a, a major party candidate, whether it's a third party candidate, whether it's a right uh, registered write-in. You know, I, I, I seriously, I look at everyone in all these races, yes, including even the write-ins. You know, I like for Senate, I'm right voting for a writing guy because he he 
is closest to my values, you know, and, and we have a lot, you know, our values are very, very similar. And, you know, I know writing, he's, you know, the chance of a writing winning are astronomically high that, that he won't win, but, you know, you, you vote for the candidate you like best, you know, that that's how I've always felt, you know, the wasted vote system. It's just, I'm, I get sick of hearing it, honestly. Right. I, I know what you mean because I get sick of hearing it all the time. And it really doesn't mean anything. It's just, it just makes me want to roll my eyes. Um, you, you know, um, but uh, one of the th- interesting things that I've been thinking about recently and what we can do here, the Republicans pretty much have failed on stopping Obamacare for all intents and purposes. Right. And they haven't repealed it very much so. Um, They've only repealed parts of it, but they kept the rest. And my question is, if elected, what are you going to do about uh, our health care system at the state level? Right, because uh, part of it is federal, of course, and part of it is the legislature. But I would like to, um, you know, the federal has all this, where, okay, we'll give you this, but you have to do A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, all these, you know, the whole carrot and stick uh, routine. So I would, you know, do as much as I can to get out of that. Um, for healthcare. I mean, that's not, you know, like, changing like Medicare and stuff like that, or, you know, the, the state, the Medicaid, I mean, um, that's not at the top of my list, but I think the problem is anytime you get the government involved, the costs seem to always go up and the services always seem to go down. And that's why I think if we look at the tax situation first and have people have more money and then, you know, more competition in, in the health industry and, like I said, less government regulation, I think that will really bring the cost down. You know, with all the HMOs and all that stuff, that's that's part of the problem, too. Um, and I do think that if people did have more money, you would have more private organizations, private charities, and or, whether it's a private or a religious institution or something. Because most people, I think, are very generous people, and they will help out their fellow person, fellow man, fellow woman if they need it. I mean, it's like, you know, if your neighbor needs help, you, you know, if you can, you, you try to help them, you know, especially if you guys get along. I mean, that's what I think would happen. I, I don't want us to, you hear somebody there's a, let's, you know, expand healthcare, let's give healthcare to, you know, Medicare for all or whatever. That, that doesn't work because I don't want us to be like a Canadian system. Um, you know, they, they have great people over there, but it's just the system doesn't work. I, I hear all these commercials in Ontario, you know, our, our friends just across the river, where they seem to have constant nurse shortages because it's, you know, and doctor shortages because it's all so government controlled and government regulated where they don't want to work for them because they can't make any money there. So a lot of them either find other positions or they come over here. If you look at several hospitals in the Detroit area, you'll see so many Ontario right. plates. Some of them are workers and some of them are, are patients with the same thing because they need their care. You know, they don't want to wait. And I've heard there's actually commercials running in Canada that advertise if you need these certain type of surgeries, well, go to the go to Detroit, go to Cleveland, Buffalo, Seattle, wherever, you know, across the border into the U.S. because you're going to get it done faster. 
And, you know, like I said, I don't want a government-run system like Canada or a lot of these European nations. Um, right. it, it is a complex issue. It's not going to change overnight, and a lot of it, again, is federal. It seems to be a, a big thing here. So the federal government seems to meddle way too much. and then, But also it's the state government seems to, you know, right. get their hands and everything, and the costs just skyrocket. And that, that, that doesn't seem, that doesn't, the only people that seems to help are insurance companies and the government. Right. Well, you know, what, what really irks me is that here in Michigan, um, and, um, you know, because Snyder has done a really awful job with the economy and the state, and with, um, and plus, he is trying to have this reform, um, this Medicaid reform, where um, you have to work at least 20 hours if you want to keep your Medicaid insurance or your, your, or if you want to stay enrolled in Medicaid for that matter. And this is through your social security disability if you're disabled. And uh, since I'm on disability, that's what they're doing to me. You know, they're saying, well, um, you may have to volunteer or work 20 hours. Well, because of my pre-existing conditions, that complicates matters. Right. Um, the government needs to get out of that business. And, yes, uh, I agree. And let, you know, but in, in the interim, what would you do about that? Well, I mean, I, I can see both sides of that argument. That, that's come up before in questions, but, you know, and I can see why someone say, oh, well, you should work work 20 hours or volunteer or whatever it happens to be to get these benefits. But at the same time, like you said, there's people that, that can't do it for whatever reason. Either they're, you know, they're too sick or they're, uh, you know, some kind of condition they can't work or do whatever. So, I mean, if we're going to have the government, if we're going to have the system now, I don't think you should have those type of work requirements. Um, but at the same time, like I said, the ultimate goal is to get to get a lot of the government out of it and then eventually, you know, costs come down. And then, like I said, you might have some people help out some, you know, private, uh, you know, charities or, or whatever will be willing to help get, you know, the care you need to get around and, or, you know, to go to the store or whatever it is, you know, depending on what someone's condition may be. Like I said, I just have faith in our fellow human beings that they would be, that they would pick up and we'd help each other. Because, right. well, like I said, most people, most people are very gener generous, but, you know, there's some people that aren't. That's just how society is. And, you know, I don't want to force them to be generous. If they want to be, you know, selfish, that's, that's their choice. But most people would help out because they know because they've, people because they probably they have been in a situation of some sort too where they might have needed help from their fellow man or woman. So, you know, they'd just be repaying each other, you know, because a lot of people understand what it, what it's like in certain situations. So that that that's where I right. see things. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, you know, this, this whole thing with, 
uh, you know, with with um, insurance costs going up and everything. I mean, um, I think people should be allowed to, like what we were talking about earlier, you know, with auto insurers, buying um, auto insurance um, in other states, make auto insurance portable, um, you know, um, I think health insurance should be the same way, and that will definitely deflate costs if we can get the regulations and taxes slashed to the bone, and I mean really to the bone, what say you? Right, exactly what you said. It's the same with auto insurance. It's the same concept, only with health insurance, and that would bring the rates down. And again, um, you shouldn't have to be forced to buy health insurance either. Um, I know that's part of that. So it's an issue with the federal thing and Obamacare. You know what's left of it, but you you shouldn't have to be forced to buy health insurance, and you shouldn't have to have. You know, they they had plans where you know, for example, I was forced to have something to carry women's. You know. Um, you know, problem with, with, you know, they're, they're the female anatomy, which I don't have, and I have no intention of obtaining or ever using. So there's no reason for me to buy an insurance plan or to have anyone offer me an insurance plan that has that because it's completely useless to me and it just would raise the cost. It's the same thing with auto insurance. It's really the same plan uh, where you, like you said, you know, portable to other state or, like I said, possibly another country. You know, if they have a plan that you like, and just just open up the market. You know, that'll take care of things, and cost will go down. You have all these kind of competitors going, and costs are down. Uh, medical procedures, then I think, would come down, uh, and you know, it, it would just be more beneficial that way. Just just get the government. The government seems to be the problem in pretty much everything, it seems. And uh, not only that, but get rid of the. Uh, Get rid of that medical device tax, you know, right. um, oh, yeah. which has stunted innovation. We need innovation in healthcare. We need new treatments, new equipment, new machines. The, the, the equipment the hospitals are using are increasingly becoming antiquated. There can be new upgrades to machines, new updates and whatnot. Um, that needs to be that that needs to be addressed to be taken care of. Right. Yeah. Like I said, taxes. You know, that's the thing. These, these some of these hospitals or doctors or whatever don't want to invest because that's going to cost all this money and the and the tax on that. And that, that, like you said, that stymies innovation. I'd like to see Michigan be, you know, the leader of, of new, you know, whether it's new medicines or new surgery, you know, type of surgery to, you know, replace any kind of ligament or whatever it happens to be or, you know, to live longer or whatever kind of medical innovations are out there that I can't even dream of. You know, I want Michigan to be the forefront. And to do that, it's we have to remove the regulations and just, you know, get get this government out of the way. Right. Um, what about, uh, let's see here. Um, I, I would love to talk about 
um, you know, making prostitution legal in the state. I know that yes. wouldn't be the top of your on top of your plan, but that would be one of your goals. Right. And Once again, it's it, yeah, it's a freedom issue. Um, it's not something that I would engage in. I have no plans on hiring a prostitute or becoming one. But again, it's a freedom issue. If somebody wants wants to either become one or, or pay a prostitute for sex or whatever, I mean, that's their choice. People are doing it anyway. I mean, we, we all know that. Again, you know, I don't want this to happen to kids. You know, I don't want, you know, 13-year-old prostitutes. No, that, that's, that's a completely different issue. And certainly somebody being forced to have sex and rape, obviously that's completely wrong. That's against, you know, civil rights and civil liberties. But if somebody, if two people voluntarily engage in the transaction, or more than two people, you know, if you, you know, if that's your thing, and they all agree to the transaction, and then you know the services are provided, you know, who are you harming? Oh, it's only the people involved, and they made that choice. You know, it's like I said, it's going on anyway. Just, just, just legalize it. You know, and then legalize freedom. That's the thing. It's freedom. Right. What about? Um... What about um, the uh, Second Amendment issues here? Um, I know that uh, they've tried to pass legislation to curtail uh, gun rights in the wake of the school shootings uh, um, in a lot of areas. Where, um, what would you do there? Well I, well, I know we we touched on the school part earlier, um, but but gun rights in general, you know, I think that if you know you for a gun, you know, you have a right to to carry a gun or or, or kind of weapon, and I think if you want to carry one, you should be allowed to, you know, because part of it, you know, whether for your protection or or you know for whatever reason, maybe you just like guns and you like having guns in your house, but the the same thing is, you know, it's I think a gun should be used for defense. You know, I don't want people going out pointing right. guns at people and shooting them. But I think that if they think that more people have guns, they'll say, okay, let's, you know, not try to rob this guy because he may shoot me in defense, you know, shoot my leg or, or something worse. Um, right. But again, you know, you shouldn't, again, as I said, you shouldn't be forced to have a gun either. You know, that that's the choice that you make, you know. So, again, it, it's just like right. pretty much everything else. It's it's a freedom issue, you know, just live your life the way you are and again, you know if you use a gun on someone in offense and that is taking someone's liberty away and then you're charged and you know go through that process you know i'm against that you know that that would be you know you don't go shoot people because then you're taking away liberties and then you're you're processed and you know charged and go to trial and all that and if right yeah you go to jail because you're a violent offender but most people that have guns aren't going to go around just shooting people they're there either because you know they have a gun collection for whatever reason or they or for protection or or whatever you know that's you know i just, again i just have trust in in our human you know human population and if you make guns say illegal make it strict if you really want a gun you're going to get it i mean i mean that's the thing even in these these gun free areas or places like chicago which are really strict i mean chicago's got just so many shootings so these these laws aren't right. preventing violence because you know anyone who wants right. a gun you can get a gun you'll find a way. Right. Um, 
Here's my last question for you. Um, the Michigan Libertarian Party. Uh, there's been a lot of problems this past year within the party. You've got increase in socialists, you uh, social justice warriors. Um, you know the the because of Jelenel's likely chance that he won't retain the primary status here in the state. Um, the state party has run into a lot of problems. And um, what are your thoughts on, and feelings about that? And can our party be be saved? Can it be salvaged? Well, well I know there's uh, other states have issues too. And I know national, I was at the national convention in New Orleans, and you know you had all these different factors and different caucuses and and all sorts of things. I think there's always going to be some level of infighting in the Libertarian Party because that's what it is. It's, it's individuals. Um, but what I want to see is, you know, infighting that's actually debate and, you know, constructive debate. Um, the, the State Party, the Michigan Libertarian Party, from, from what I've, I've noticed, and again, obviously people are going to have different opinions, is that it's just it just seems to be turning into more of, you know, the, the two-party system, which is what I thought the Libertarian Party was not. You know, we're, we're about individual and freedom and and transparency right. and all that stuff. And I know in the past you've had some board um, members and board votes that haven't been transparent. You've had some that are really good, too. You know, there's some really good people in the right. party that are honest and believe in the beliefs and are fighting, you know, their rear ends off and doing all this. But then I think there are some people that I don't know why they're there. If it's there for ballot access, if they're there because, um, you know, you can say I'm the leader of a party or I'm on the board of a party or whatever, you know, for an ego trip or, you know, some people are just bored or, I mean, I don't know. They're just, there's just, you know, you're always going to have people there that are just members and aren't really active. I get that. Right. But you're helping the party, right. you know, by donating and get, but it, it, it's just the ones that I think that are counterproductive that want to ban people from the party that that shouldn't be banned, you know that 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 don't violate the non-aggression principle. Um, we all know about the one guy that was banned for his actions in uh, uh, Orlando. James Weeks, yeah, right, where, where he didn't violate the non-aggression principle at all. He he, you know, did his little dance on stage, which. You know, some people like, some people didn't, but he didn't do anything. You know, Even you may not agree with what he, he right, right. Even though what he did was stupid, uh, he didn't hurt anybody. Well, yeah, you, yeah, you may not agree with what he did, but at the same time, like you said, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't force violence on anyone. He didn't hit anyone. You know, he didn't say anything against the non-aggression principle. That was just his way of. You know, activism and, right. and getting attention for the party, and the fact that the right. board, you know, kicked him out and banned him for two years—it was just ridiculous. You know, that you don't ban someone that you 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 ban someone because they violate the non-aggression principle. You know, which which we've talked about. Right. You know, whether it's hitting someone or taking someone's money or you know that that's. And, right. you know, I just think there's a lot of problems with the board and, and, and the leadership. Uh, there was the, the treasurer's um, incident where money was missing because it was wired to some, you right. know, so-called Nigerian And I wish we could scam. talk more about that. 
Right. Well, um, I hate to cut it off here, Keith. Uh, we're coming up uh, to the end here. Thank you so much for being on the air with me. And um, I'd love to have you on here again sometime. Take it easy, my friend. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot, everybody. If, uh, I just want to say quickly, if anybody want to go to the uh, Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash Butkovich for Governor, B-U-T-K-O-V-I-C-H-F-O-R, Governor. And I hope to see you there. All right. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much. And uh, I really appreciate your support. And um, we'll, um, I'll be back on Friday. There's a lot more to discuss by then. Take it easy. Goodbye. Later.